Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. And welcome back, everybody. Episode 9 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. We are set to bring it to you here, a special edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMott-Mollin, of course, from at Announcer Skeds on Twitter. You've been following him for a while. I'm just here kind of filling in the blanks as we uh, bring you all the announcer news. We've got a lot of it, uh, but we're going to start right off at the top here as we learned uh, early in the morning uh, at 94 years old, the legendary Dodgers broadcaster Vin Scully passed away. And, uh, boy, uh, shit, kind of shockwaves, an icon in the broadcasting field. The announcer Skeds podcast uh, is built and born on people like Vin Scully, and he is probably uh, at the top, top, top of the list of iconic broadcasters, Phil. So let's start, of course, with the number one topic today, which would be the passing of the legendary Dodgers broadcaster, uh, Vince Scully. Yeah, for me, Mike, he is at the top of the list. You know, I was kind of reflecting on that a little bit, you know, where, you know, he ranks and that kind of thing. And, you know, when I think of iconic broadcasters and the ones who really have paved the way uh, here in the United States, Vince Scully is uh, who comes to mind first. And, you know, the numbers and the experience and his life uh, journey, uh, certainly supports that 67 seasons calling the the Dodgers uh, over 9,000 games making him the longest tenured broadcaster for a single team in pro sports history um, national television and national radio for CBS and NBC dozens of World Series he called uh, perfect games iconic moments uh, you name it, the list goes on and on. The tributes are pouring in um, after learning the l- news. Um, I didn't get it till this morning because uh, on the East Coast, it was pretty late once once the news came out um, out West when the when the Dodgers announced it. But, you know, just, um, you know, an incredible life, an incredible legacy. Uh, he passes away at age 94 after retiring at age 89, going on 90 uh, back in 2000. 16 um you know the list of awards that he's garnered go on and on and um yeah you know we 
could spend hours probably breaking it all down and reflecting on his career in life. And, um, you know, just want to take our time with it today and uh, give uh, proper due to uh, Mr. Vin Scully and the, the amazing legacy he leaves all announcers. Yeah, generally we will have an interview in the podcast, but uh, I think we're going to use a lot of audio today from Vin Scully, just storytelling and iconic calls. I think the storytelling is something that just separates him, Phil, from all of the other broadcasters. He didn't have a color analyst doing games with him. He filled it in himself, but he did it in a way that no other broadcaster I've ever come across has been able to do. You know, he'll tell a story about the guy at plate fighting a rattlesnake or getting attacked by a wolf, and we'll play some of those audio clips today instead of having uh, one of our interviews that we generally will have on the Announcer Schedule podcast. But keep this in mind. He started broadcasting games in 1950, and in 1953, he was 25 years old when he broadcast the World Series. I mean, think about that. At 25 years old, Vince Scully was broadcasting the World Series. He did it 25 times he broadcast the World Series. He called 20 no-hitters. Uh, he called 12 All-Star games. But on top of that, we think of him with the Dodgers, Phil. He called the catch with Dwight Clark, Joe Montana in the back of the end zone. He's called Masters, uh, great moments in the Masters. So, he was a much more versatile broadcaster, I think, than people give him credit for because he is so associated with the Dodgers. Yeah, you mentioned um, quite a few items there, Mike. And, you know, first his start, you know, it's worth mentioning. Uh, you know, he got to start at Fordham. And Fordham, you know, we talk about Syracuse a lot as one of the top broadcasting college programs. But Fordham's right up there with them, and a lot of it's because of Vin Scully getting his start there, starting at the university's radio station and then starting with the Dodgers, ultimately, as you mentioned, in Brooklyn and then heading to, to Los Angeles. And that was a huge transition uh, for folks, you know, so many fans from the, the New York City area and the East Coast having to, you know, somehow get information from California about their their favorite ball club. And then, as you mentioned, over time, you know, became a, a national a voice as well. And not only baseball, but you, you said it, you know, football, golf, um, other sports as well. And, you know, as much as anything, I th think you nailed it when you said that storytelling side of things. The connection he had with the listener or the viewer, it, it was almost mesmerizing. I mean, I remember listening to games on the radio with him, and it, it really didn't even matter who was playing or you know, the meaning of the game or what have you. It was just like settle in with Vin Scully and let him, you know, take you through this journey. And it was poetry, you know, in a lot of ways. You know, he would say to the viewers, hey, come pull up a chair. And that kind of sums it up as far as, you know, that relationship with the viewer or the listener and him being able to, you know, convey that feeling and that warmth, you know, through it all. And, you know, talking about, we talk about a lot on the show, the economy of words and, you know, yeah, he's so good at that as well, you know, really in those big moments that you mentioned. So, you know, just so much to learn from from the career of Vin Scully and just a remarkable career. When you think about that longevity and all the, you know, uh, points of history in baseball that he's seen, all the, the giants of the sport that he's seen over those years, it kind of blows your mind to think, you know, how long he was at it. And uh, yeah, just just incredible. And, you know, I'm sure. We're not the only ones talking about Vin Scully this week, you know, and, and, and the tributes will continue to, 
to pour in, but you know, what a legacy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to, you know, studying it even more and, you know, passing that knowledge on to, to young announcers who might not know his full story. Well, what I want to do, Phil, as we talk about storytelling, we can play iconic calls and we will play a few of them here. And I think everybody knows many of the calls, the catch we mentioned, Kirk Gibson hitting the home run, the Masters. But we talk about the storytelling, and I think that's what separated him and made him the icon that he was, is he weaved these stories in and out of the action. And he was able to kind of just, here's the pitch. Oh, and uh, the rabbit was running down. It's one and two. Here's a possibly the best example that I could find of many stories, but just kind of settle in and listen to Vin Scully tell this story. You know, Bumgarner tells a story which, in a sense, reminds you of what it takes to be a big league ball player. It's two years ago in spring training. And he and his wife were roping cattle, which is what they do. One one pitch, sinker low, ball two, two and one. And they were startled by a large snake. And Madison thought it was a rattlesnake, so he grabbed an axe and he hacked the snake to pieces. But there's something more to the story. Two one pitch, low, ball three, three and one. When his wife Allie and an expert field dresser examined what was left of the snake, she found two baby jackrabbits inside pieces of the snake and extracted them. 3-1 pitch to Turner, way inside, ball four. And after she extracted them a short while later, the Bumgarners noticed that one of the rabbits had moved slightly. It was alive. Well, his wife brought the rabbit back to their apartment for the next few days. They kept it warm, bottle nursed it, and the rabbit soon was healthy enough that they released it into the wild. And Madison said, just think about how tough that rabbit was. First it gets eaten by a snake, then the snake gets chopped to pieces, then it gets picked up by people and lives. It's all true. Meanwhile, line drive base hit to center by Hendrick. And the Dodgers are in business, first and second, and nobody out. So I guess really the morale of the whole story about the rabbit and the snake, you've got to somehow survive. You've got to somehow battle back. A lesson well taught for all of us. All right, so there you go. There is an example, maybe one of the greatest ones I could find, of him weaving the, the count was one and one when he was describing roping cattle, the Baumgartner family, that's Madison Gar Baumgartner, was pitching for the Giants. He found a snake. He chopped it with an axe. It's a 3-1 pitch. They found two jackrabbits inside. Uh, it was still 3-1 when the rabbits were found to be alive. They nurtured the rabbits, and the rabbits got sent back out to the wild, and then there was a base hit, all wrapped into a two-minute soliloquy by Vince Scully. Yeah, you're exactly right. And he would do that all the time. You know, pretty much every game you'd get a, a, at least a few of those stories like that. And the way he gets the information in as well while telling the story, you're right, uncanny. And there's even a, another subtlety there. If you notice when he gives the count, he says it at just the right time where you also hit the ambient noise of the baseball hitting the catcher's mitt. And it's like a subtle, perfect timing type of D 
deal and the fact that he can do that while also telling a pretty intricate story like that awesome and uh you know he would tell give all sorts of history as well and you know facts that you know the viewer listener might never have heard about i remember there's one famous one about him explaining the meaning of friday the 13th on a on a game that happened to to land on that day of the week and you know just just incredible how he would do that and you know really kind of unmatched I, I i can't think of any other announcer who who's been able to pull that off you know it, to that degree no chance yeah in moments too he called hank aaron's 715th home run i mean many people um you know you think of i think for me i'm 45 years old the most uh, that iconic baseball moment for me is kirk gibson walking up against dennis eckersley and he calls that uh but the way he does it i mean he allows the stadium's roar to just follow him around the bases, and we'll cue that one up for many people. Because for me, Phil, that was one that just absolutely stands out is that Kirk Gibson moment. Uh, but there are so many to choose from, like Hank Aaron's 715th. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, the the Hank Aaron call, he has detailed how that all went down in some stories since, you know, some, some journalists interviewed him about it. And, you know, it happened to be the Dodgers were playing the Braves. That's, that's why he was on that call first and foremost, but then the, the historic call happens and he describes how he literally took off his headset, went to the back of the broadcast booth, had a sip of coffee and then waited as the roar of the crowd, you know, kept going. And then came back to the microphone and gave his next lines, which were iconic as far as what the moment meant you know, for well, Atlanta, the state of Georgia, and so forth. So just incredible, you know, how that one went down. Right. And, um, you know, you talk about the Hank Aaron and, and the stories behind the story. I think many people uh, also associate him calling the um, infamous, if you will, Bill Buckner play. And we'll cue that one up for you here on the announcer schedule podcast. Five five in a delirious tenth inning. Can you believe this ball game at Shea? Oh, brother. Three and two to Mookie Wilson. Little roller up along first. Behind the bag. It gets through Buckner. Here comes Knight, and the Mets win it. If one picture is worth a thousand words, you have seen about a million words. But more than that, you have seen an absolutely bizarre finish to game six of the 1986 World Series. The Mets are not only alive, they are well. All right, so that's uh, the infamous Bill Buckner play uh, with Mookie Wilson rolling one down the first baseline, gets between the legs of Buckner. Uh, and I think people don't r- really remember that Vin Scully was the voice of that World Series. Yeah, and so that was an example of him on the national telecast on, on NBC. His analyst was Joe Garagiola. You, you hear him for a moment there. And, you know, not only an iconic call that's been, you know, played over and over again, that that infamous play, you know, a, a nightmare for, for one group of fans, uh, you know, a, a miracle for another group of fans. What's interesting there, too, is if that Hank Aaron call we were talking about earlier. Buckner's involved in that as well. He's actually playing left field, you know, for the for the Dodgers. And so he's actually part of that call also as the, the ball flew over Buckner's head in left field. 
Uh, so just just in, incredible again the iconic calls, but you know no surprise at the same time that he was around for for many of these. You know considering you know just the the you know mammoth pedigree he had to get these assignments, but also the fact that he was around so many years. Let's uh, get a football call. The catch we brought it up a few times. We all associate Vince Scully with the Dodgers in baseball. How about this famous football call? Third and three. We'll see a pick of some down on the right side, possibly. Montana. Looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. Dwight Clark. It's a madhouse at Candlestick with 51 seconds left. Dwight Clark is 6'4". He stands about 10 feet tall in this crowd's estimation. We've got a watch here, two tall Jones, that usually lines up in the middle. He's he's six to seven. The spot, the kick, it is good. All right, there you go. There is him on football. Dwight Clark, the catch from Joe Montana. Um, and, you know, he does such a good job in baseball and in football of letting the play just breathe and the, that natural crowd sound. That is always something, you know, these broadcasters so many times Phil want to jump in there and over explain what just was occurring, but he does such a good job. There's a, I don't know if you watched winning time. Did you watch that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Love Kern tells Pat Riley, when I close my fist, you stop talking. When I open, you can talk. I can yep. see almost Vince Scully when he had to have a broadcaster with them telling them, no, don't say anything in this moment right here. Just let the play breathe. He does such a great job of doing that. Yeah, with Hank Stram, his analyst on that one, on the CBS call. And, you know, not too long after that, Scully left CBS to go to, to NBC and, you know, did all that baseball with with NBC. But, you know, at the time working working for CBS and, yeah, you know, it, it just once again shows you, you know, just that skill of letting it breathe. We've talked about it in, you know, our previous episodes countless times already, Mike, you know, with, with, before this episode and this tribute to Vin Scully, you know, how that is at the crux of calling big moments when you're a play-by-play announcer, and he did it marvelously. Uh, we talk about his storytelling. We did the story of Madison Bumgarner with the – um, the snake and the axe and the jackrabbit. Uh, let's play one more opportunity for you to hear him weave a interesting story around the baseball game. Take a listen. Johnny, to make the understatement of the day, has had a very tough life. We can give you maybe one or two stories. We don't want to get into too much of the privacy area. Let's start when he was 12. He was doing work on his grandmother's house, and a hired hand showed up with a wolf on a leash. Here's the 2-0 pitch, 2-1-1. Anyway, Johnny loved dogs. He had never owned one, though he had no idea about how serious a wolf might be. So he walked up to the wolf and the man hollered at him. No it's a real wolf. Don't pet it. The two one pitch in there. Well the man ties up the wolf goes around the corner to mend defense and Johnny goes back to the wolf. 
saying something like oh I'll talk to him and it'll be great. And the wolf attacks him. Has knocked him down on his chest just about ready to devour him. 2 2 pitch check swing no swing ball three. Johnny suddenly totally and completely relaxed. He was done. He knew it. And whatever he did by relaxing the wolf decided uh huh. I don't have a rival here. And the wolf got off his chest. Johnny got up and walked away. Ground ball by the diving Turner and the base hit by Johnny Gomes. So a one out single left by the wolf man. And uh, the fascinating part about it and that was Johnny Gomes who by the way is a opposing player for another team is it's not like Gomes is like a high level player. Where does he find the time to sit and get such a story to use that in the one time that Gomes might come to the plate in the, you know what like that he has a long enough period of time during Gomes is at bat that is what is amazing I think that the detailed nature of the story for an opposing player who's really not a all day everyday player that is what separates everything the amount of preparation that has to be done to get the details of that story you hear him say Oh, he thought he was a goner. You know, when the wolf jumps on his chest, he feels like his life is over. But him sitting and getting all these stories, Phil, that is, that separates him from everybody. Yeah, we, you know, we've interviewed a bunch of announcers on this program, and they all talk about preparation. And I would imagine his preparation might have looked a little different than what a lot of us do, you know, where – He's got to gather these stories somehow. And, you know, they talk about this as a relationship business. So a lot of that, I'm sure, is, you know, person to person, face to face, that kind of thing. But you're right. And just the human side to it all, you know, versus, you know, just what's happening on the field. And, you know, it, it creates a closeness, not only with Vin Scully as the, you know, master storyteller, but also with the the players out there where you suddenly have this connection with these players because of this anecdote that Scully was able to to communicate to the listener. So yeah, just just remarkable that style and the way he's able to do it in just such a calm, collected way while also keeping you informed what's going on out there on the field. I mean, he doesn't miss a, a pitch or a play. You could you could be keeping score at home and and not miss anything. You know, just listening to him on the on the radio and you know, just once again, we, we can't say it enough just how unique and also brilliant his style is. No doubt about it. Uh, we mentioned the Kirk Gibson home run. It's the one that I remember maybe the most. Let's play that one here. But the game right now is at the plate. Possibly one of the most iconic home runs in World Series history. Even though it happened in a game one, it really set the tone 
uh, for you know what was uh, an upset, the Dodgers beating that powerful A's team there. And Kirk Gibson, you know, who was really the MVP, couldn't play. He's injured. He comes off the bench. He could barely get around the bases, and there you go. She's gone. Uh, it was just a, a, a chilling moment right there. Yeah, I encourage uh, listeners to find that full clip. You know, it's it's several minutes long if you watch the entire at bat and. You know, Kirk Gibson just, you know, you know, struggling up there and the way Scully describes it. I used to teach a, a class that focused on sports media and broadcasting to, to college students. And I would show them that entire uh, segment as an example of how you let it breathe and how, um, you know, a master at his trade does his work. And, you know, the students, you know, weren't familiar with the, the game, you know, for the most part. Um, unless they happen to to be a baseball fan, but it got their attention, no doubt, and they they kind of understood what I was trying to to describe to them as far as Scully's style and his you know ability to let that game breathe. The other thing worth noting is you know Dodgers versus Oakland A's in that one, the World Series game, national TV. Scully, of course, the voice of the Dodgers, but we've talked about that as well. You know, you go from being the hometown announcer to suddenly a national TV situation and you have to have things a little more balanced, you know, or were Oakland A's fans, you know, uh, clamoring that, Hey, this is unfair. The Dodgers announcers is calling this game. I doubt it because Scully had done so much national work, but I I'd be curious, you know, if that was a factor at all, you know, as far as Dodgers versus A's, but that moment's so big regardless that, uh, he did it justice, and uh, what a moment, and he'll live in infamy, you know, time and time again, and he nailed the call uh, perfectly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie, and no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, Vince Scully called Jackie Robinson's steal home, by the way. There's another one that, uh, if you've heard it before, that was... Uh, the man that we're discussing, Vince Scully. This is the Announcer Schedules podcast. Uh, you can rate, re- review, subscribe. We encourage you to do all that. Uh, rating, review, subscribe. They help. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We're on the Sports Media Watch feed. Uh, TJ and John do a great job with the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. And George Offman, I was just flying all over the country, Phil. And uh, tell me a story I don't know brought me to many of these different countries. Mike Reber, Michael Wilbon, etc. Great interviews by George that I kind of downloaded on the plane because they were timeless. And I could just kind of listen to them on my way uh, from country to country to country. So uh, great 
uh, partnership with those guys. And here we are. Uh, this usually drops on Thursday. Um, we will play some more of uh, Vince Scully maybe at the end. We maybe send off with uh, his send off. So stick around for that. Um, but before we do that and get to some of the other news, Phil, I want to ask you, do you have anything else you want to kind of add, put a cherry on the top uh, for Vince Scully, his career, 94 years old? Uh, I, the, the stories that we've heard so far, the audio is, is just chilling stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. I just wanted to communicate my one um, interaction with Vince Scully. I had the pleasure of actually working with him for a, for a three-game series. Uh, the Dodgers were at the Marlins, and um, as you know, Mike, and, and regular listeners know, you know, I have a, a career as a freelance statistician for, for television and radio broadcast, and I got the assignment just, you know, kind of by luck, you know, I, I'm sort of, I was sort of the, the pinch hitter in this case to work on the Marlins Dodgers series. And it was at the old uh, pro player stadium uh, the, um, before Marlins Park was uh, born. And suddenly it kind of hit me, you know, sort of last minute. I sort of took it for granted, just another gig. I'm showing up at the, the stadium <laughs> and then about halfway up the steps, I'm like, wow, I'm going to be working with uh, Mr. Vince Scully. And he couldn't have been nicer, just an incredible gentleman. and. Um, you know, when you're in that talent statistician role, you're listening even closer to every single word the announcer says. You're hanging on their every word because you're part of the broadcast as well as far as timing, um, notes and statistics and that kind of thing. And, you know, my connection with him was already significant from listening to him for so many years and it was such a familiar voice. But I had to kind of catch myself a couple times because I was sort of drifting off into this like beautiful dreamland every once in a while, listening to him call the game while I'm I'm working. But then the other thing I had to make sure I did was be very prudent as far as what statistics I was handing him during the game because, and I was able to find this quote later that Scully had statistics always on hand, and you know if. He needed them. He would weave them in, but he didn't rely on them by any means. And I found this quote about Scully's opinion of baseball statistics. And he says as follows, quote, statistics are used much like a drunk uses a lamppost for support, but not illumination. <laughs> so in other words, it's more about the stories and, you know, obviously telling what goes on the statistics can be overkill. And I understand that even though it's my job to be the statistician and that, that weekend, I remember in particular, Hey, I got to be really um, judicious and smart about which statistics I hand over to Vin Scully on that little post-it note. And I, I picked my spots and he seemed pleased with it. And uh, yeah, I, I just feel very grateful to have gotten to, to meet someone of the stature of Vin Scully. And you know, I'm, I'm really happy we're able to, pay him tribute today Mike I do want to add I'm you know I host a talk show in Atlantic City and uh on the air before me they were discussing Vince Scully and the Phillies broadcaster who was Tom McCarthy shared a story um with Chris Carlin who was filling in for Mike Greenberg and he tells this story how Scully called McCarthy when McCarthy's father had passed away and left a message on his answering machine saying hey Tom this is Vin Scully, 
of the L.A. Dodgers, and he goes into this long thing about how much is, he's made his father proud and, you know, but you don't know what their relationship was like, how well they knew each other, and they're just somebody who happened to be in the same industry, and this icon calls, you know, a team broadcaster, and basically there when his father passed away. I think that kind of tells you a little bit what kind of person Vince Scully was. Your involvement with them, fantastic. I, I wanted to share that story because I just happened to hear it right before we started recording uh, the podcast. We have so many bites and audio we can play, and we will try to filter in some more at the end of the podcast when we generally will have an interview. But there was another broadcaster, uh, an iconic player. I don't know that people remember him as a broadcaster as much as a championship player, Phil, but Bill Russell also passed away earlier this week, or I guess – I, I, I've been all over the place, so I don't know if it was this week or last week, but in the last week. Yeah, o- over this past weekend, uh, the news came out on uh, Sunday, I believe, that Bill Russell uh, passed away, you know, born in 1934. Um, just an incredible playing career on, the on you know, the, the pantheon of, of NBA players, you know, huge civil rights activists as well, so both – on and off the court, you know, a major, major impact on American sport and society. But what, like you said, what people might not remember is he had a pretty prolific and, um, you know, long broadcasting career. If you, if you add it all up, he was a analyst on ABC, CBS and TBS uh, throughout the seventies and into the eighties six NBA finals he called as the analyst, which is a big number, you know, uh, no doubt about that. All Dating all the way back to 1972 and 1973, which was right after he had retired as a player. Uh, he, by the way, you know, was a coach, a player coach initially for the Celtics and then later, you know, the, the first black head coach um, in the NBA. And in between coaching stints with different teams and as he was going through his coaching career, he would broadcast games and on the highest of levels, you know, broadcasting NBA finals on the network level, those 72 and 73 games, his play-by-play announcer, none other than Keith Jackson. And then he caught on with CBS in the early 80s. Uh, He called an NBA finals with Brent Musburger, Musburger's first in uh, 1980. Uh, Hot Rod Hunley was his uh, analyst there alongside him, so a three-man booth. And then in 1981, Gary Bender was his play-by-play announcer. And then he called two NBA finals with Dick Stockton in 1982 and 1983. It all adds up to six NBA finals for Bill Russell. He later caught on with TBS and TNT when they got going with their coverage in the late 80s with an NBA package. So Russell, um, I just wanted to, to take note because, you know, certainly there's been a ton of tributes and there's a ton of things you can read and watch about the career of Bill Russell as a sports figure, but the broadcasting career is notable as well. And um, just wanted to make sure we took note of that also. By the way, a hot rod Huntley reference in there, WVU's third most famous uh, basketball alum, uh, Rod Thorne and, Jerry West above Hot Rod Hundley, who I believe did Utah Jazz games, correct? Sounds right to me, yeah. Hot Rod Hundley. WVU, proud alum. All right, um, let's get into, we've had a couple of iconic passings. We do have some other stories to kind of get into as well as 
the NFL season will be kicking off when we drop the podcast Thursday night Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio. Uh, so that will be the first chance we get to see the NBC crew. Yeah, the the new NBC crew, Mike Tirico taking over that role full time from Al Michaels, uh, Chris Collinsworth back as the analyst, and Melissa Stark now the uh, sideline reporter for NBC. So it'll be our first chance to see that crew call a game. Um, the Hall of Fame game, Jaguars and Raiders on Thursday night. You know, the day we released this podcast. Also, Westwood One Radio back in business, of course. Uh, Scott Graham is going to be on the call for that one on the on the play-by-play side with James Lofton as the analyst. So look forward to getting football. Uh, toe meets leather, and uh, we get started here in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, Scott Graham uh, used to do Phillies games. James Lofton's been a guest on my show many times. Uh, just a tremendous guy to talk to, James Lofton, the Hall of Fame wide receiver. That's Westwood One on the radio side, as we told you, uh, the uh, NBC crew, Tariko Collinsworth, Melissa Stark, and you'll have uh, Hall of Fame inductions, and a couple of broadcasters are going to the Hall of Fame, not for their broadcasting work, but for their uh, one for coach and one for play. Yeah, that's right. Um, Tony Baselli, who is just a – unbelievable offensive lineman for for many years will be inducted into the hall of fame uh, this weekend um, as a player but he's done a lot of great work as a uh, analyst in in booths as well um in particular for westwood one radio um we we just mentioned westwood one graham and lofton but baselli's done a lot of work for them um as that analyst and uh, he actually did a couple sidelines for westwood one as well for some Super Bowls a, a couple years back. So uh, cool to see Tony Baselli uh, getting into the Hall of Fame. And also Dick Vermeil, the Hall of Fame coach, uh, Eagles and Rams. Um, in between coaching stints, um, sort of like uh, we mentioned with Bill Russell, Vermeil kept busy as a uh, analyst for CBS and for ABC as well. And um, he put in a lot of time, especially in, in college football is, is what I remember Dick Vermeil most for on, in the broadcasting booth, but uh, he was a presence there for uh, several years throughout the 80s and, and 90s for both CBS and ABC. So congrats to both Baselli and Vermeil. Yeah, both guys have been uh, frequent guests. Uh, Baselli I've had on the show many times. I actually met him at the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago down in Miami when he was not, he had not made the Hall of Fame. He was, you know, I think he was getting close a couple of years there, but always handled it pretty well. All right, uh, speaking of football, uh, we the high profile number one teams, Phil. We now know the number two team at Fox is set, and this one I don't know that many people were going to predict that this was going to be the number two pairing uh, for the Fox team. Of course, uh, Burkhart he goes up to the number one team, so they need to replace the play by player. Greg Olson was the number two analyst; he's to the number one team for now, anyway. So they need to replace the whole number two team. One voice familiar gets kind of a promotion, I guess you would say. The other voice, new to the football game, especially at this level. Yeah, you know, according to reports, the the number two Fox team is now set. Uh, Joe Davis, who's the, you know, the number one voice on baseball now, you know, stepping in for that Joe Buck role. Uh, he will be the, the play-by-play announcer. And Daryl Moose Johnston, who has been in this number two analyst role before and has done a lot of high-profile profile things over the years uh it seems like fox going you know with a real veteran uh known commodity there in daryl johnson still no official announcement uh we're 
as of this taping, I'd imagine very shortly here, not only Fox, but ESPN and, and others uh, will release their entire announcing teams for the football season. You know, usually that comes in like, you know, kind of like a all-inclusive press release that sort of details, you know, who all the announcers are going to be. We saw that from the Big Ten Network uh, earlier this week. So I expect that from Fox, from CBS, from from ESPN as well. And, uh, you know, Davis and Johnston, you know, that, that'll that be a, a solid team, I would imagine, for, for that number two spot that we've been kind of waiting to fall into place. Yeah. I, I, were you a little surprised that they went back to Daryl Johnson? You mentioned he was kind of like a high-profile guy. They kind of slipped him. He was a little further down the depth chart. They bring him all the way back up to number two. I think he was on like the fourth team last year. Yeah, you know, he's kind of like fluctuated up and down sort of the, you know, if you were to break it down by by teams one through six or however many deep they might go. You know, we mentioned him um, when we were talking about Tony Saragusa, another, you know, uh, recently passed away broadcaster and – Johnston was the analyst, you know, on a lot of those Saragusa uh, pairings, you know, up there with with guys like Kenny Albert uh, for a bunch of those games. And, you know, he's been around and certainly a a solid voice. He's also been heavily involved with the the USFL with Fox. You know, he's a big part of that uh, operation over there, you know, from the business side as well. So, you know, I'm not that surprised, I guess. You know, it, 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 it makes sense to me as far as going with, you know, a known commodity. I know there are rumors about, you know, things like Drew Brees and, and some of these other possibilities. But, you know, when there's this many changes, why not just go with, I you guess know, what you know? Once we see the full list of pairings, we can make more of a declaration of where we felt that, uh, that Daryl Johnson would have uh, fit in. So Joe Davis... Uh, who, of course, just started to call the Fox Gate baseball. You heard him on the All-Star game, um, kind of made his debut there, and now he'll be on the number two on the Fox NFL, reportedly. Uh, Kaylee Hartung is now going to be a part of the Thursday night uh, Amazon broadcast, which also made a little bit of news um, on the – you'll probably hear TJ and John talk a little bit more about that Amazon Thursday nights. looks like they struck a deal with DirecTV for the bars and restaurants – they could probably get a little deeper into that. But when you're watching those games, we now know who the sideline reporter will be. Yeah, Kaylee Hartung makes her return to sports. You know, she was a prolific sideline reporter um, across uh, ESPN 2012 through 2017. Um, you know, kind of rose up the ranks as a, as a sideline reporter and was one of the top Uh, reporters by the time she left ESPN. She went into the news side of things, working for CNN and then for ABC News, and now has caught back on with a sports entity, Amazon Prime, in that Thursday night package. So it'll be Al Michaels, play-by-play, Kirk Herbstreet, analyst, and Kaylee Hartung, sideline reporter. So a solid name there, and some college uh, big-time experience from Herbstreet and Hartung. So, you know, in a sense, you know, it'll be interesting to see them in professional football. We know Herb Street's caught a couple of those games in the past, but that transition is, is going to be worth watching. Uh, more football. Let's go to uh, Fox. Uh, Jason Benetti is now um, – you got uh, Jason, of course, you know him from baseball. I think he was doing, what, the Peacock games, correct? One of the streaming baseball services. I kind of get some of the mix. I think he's the Sunday Peacock. Yeah, that's correct. He was the – 
uh, Sunday morning package on Peacock. You know, actually some of their game times have shifted a little bit later, so it's more like Sunday afternoon on on Peacock. But uh, Jason Benetti, the voice of the White Sox, um, he now is with Fox. So he was with ESPN uh, for several years and rose up the ranks there as a very prolific announcer doing all sorts of work across uh, multiple sports. And he now uh, signed a deal with Fox. Um, it'll start with a college football package. Uh, the conventional wisdom is that he will take over what Joe Davis was doing on college football. And so Benetti will now be at Fox uh, handling that spot on the college football side, which is basically the number two college football team. And then that allows Davis to move over to the NFL. So Benetti uh, will continue as the voice of the White Sox, according to reports, but this will be his last season with Peacock. I'd expect him to do some baseball for Fox as well, uh, college basketball also, and maybe down the road, uh, NFL, who knows. Uh, more football, right? We uh, got the season getting here. You mentioned Brett Musburger earlier in this podcast. Uh, we now know who his replacement will be on those national radio broadcast games, and it's Jason Horowitz who was with Westwood One. Yeah, this is a story we've been following on the podcast, which is that Raiders play-by-play -play job. Uh, Musburger had held it for four seasons, uh, two of the seasons in uh, Las Vegas, uh, two of the seasons uh, back in the Bay Area. Uh, Musburger had replaced the longtime voice of the Raiders, Greg Papa, who's very popular up there in the, the Bay Area and who's now with the 49ers. There was some clamoring that Raiders fans wanted Papa back, and then the Niners signed uh, Papa to, to hold on to that uh, popular voice. Meanwhile, the Raiders have found their uh, successor for Brent Musburger, uh, Jason Horowitz, um, if you know you're a big radio listener like like Mike and I are, uh, you've heard Jason, you know, man the uh, studio for a lot of Westwood One's coverage, especially March Madness, where they're really kind of flying around from from game to game. He's done a great job with that. CBS Sportsnet on the TV side, he's done a lot of work there, especially calling Army football games on CBS Sports Network. And uh, Jason Horowitz, he'll work with. Lincoln Kennedy, who returns as the analyst for the Raiders. All right, and uh, Brock Osweiler, you remember him making that big splash with a big contract. Well, you're going to start hearing uh, his game analyst. Now he's going to ESPN. Yeah, Osweiler will make his debut as a, as a game analyst. I mean, he's a, a pure newcomer to television. You know, read a couple stories about Brock and his decision um, to go into television, and it seems like he had a couple of auditions, one with ESPN, the other with with Fox. He kind of, you know, had offers, you know, perhaps from both and ends up going with ESPN. Uh, he described playing golf with Sean McDonough and being able to pick his mind a bunch and, you know, come up with some ideas as far as, you know, how he could be an effective broadcaster. And ESPN has paired him with a veteran voice that we've talked about before on the show, Anish Shroff will be his play-by-play -play announcer on the college football package uh, that begins, you know, shortly here. Uh, Anish was named the voice of the Panthers recently on the radio side, so he'll be doing Sunday Carolina Panthers, and then we'll be handling college football on ESPN with Brock Osweiler. So Anish is a really good announcer for somebody like Osweiler to sort of break him in and you know, um, get him comfortable in that new role. Taylor McGregor is the sideline reporter 
for that pairing. Uh, she is the Cubs uh, field reporter these days. She used to be with the Rockies, um, if that name seems familiar. So Osweiler to ESPN as a game analyst. And, and as I mentioned, you know, any day now, and perhaps by the time, you know, you're listening to this podcast, if you're out there, the ESPN press release should be um, dropping any day now with the full college football announcer pairings for this coming season. I think uh, Anisha's career really took off after we played uh, his bite on episode one or two of the announcer schedule podcast, right? Lacrosse. That's right. You know, he's been the voice of that NCAA championship lacrosse for several years now. And, uh, you know, uh, Anish is a, a great guy, guy. I've gotten the chance to work with him a bunch and, um, you know, great to see him continuing to thrive. All right. Uh, Big 10, you, you kind of hinted at that earlier. They announced their broadcast teams and uh, the Big 10 uh, has been in the news a lot this offseason. Who's going to broadcast the games? Yeah, Big Ten Network announced their broadcast teams, uh, play-by-play announcers. The lead team will be uh, under the direction of Brandon Gauden, who's a, a familiar uh, name um, for for listeners to the of the announcer schedules podcast. Uh, Brandon will handle the you know the the top game on on BTN, you know, which by the way is you know part of the Fox umbrella. Uh, other play-by-players include Mark Folliwell, uh Corey Provis, uh, Lisa Byington, Chris Fosters, Jason Ross. Uh, Joe Beninati and Matt Shoemaker. So, you know, some good looking um, names there, you know, who certainly uh, have a bunch of experience uh, on the play by play side. A bunch of analysts as well were announced, including the veteran Matt Millen. So, if you're, you need some uh, Millen in your diet, you know, check out the Big Ten Network. All right. There's a lot of football for you. Let's shift over to some baseball announcer schedule podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and uh, don't forget we drop on the Sports Media Watch feed every Thursday, and uh, this is what we're bringing you. All the football there as football season's here. We're starting to tighten up all those. Major League Baseball, a couple of broadcasters. uh, Tim Kirkjian is getting a high honor. Yeah, Tim Kirkjian, you know, know, we mentioned the Hall of Fame for, you know, pro football, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions uh, went down uh, recently as well. And Kirkjian will be, uh, you know, permanently um, in Cooperstown now, you know, as the recipient of the Career Excellence Award by the Baseball Hall of Fame and the Baseball Writers Association. Uh, Kirkjian, just an exceptional career covering the sport of baseball, was a very prolific print uh, journalist for many years uh, places like Washington, D.C., Dallas Morning News, Baltimore Sun, Sports Illustrated. And then he joined ESPN all the way back in 1998 and has covered baseball for them ever since and has evolved into more of a broadcaster than a, a print journalist over time where, you know, he evolved even from being a reporter on the field to now up in the booth as an analyst uh, more often than not. So congratulations to Kim Kirk, Tim Kirkchen, one of the great personalities you know, in the media world as well. He brings a lot of humor to the equation also, which is a lot of fun. Frequent guest here on my show as well. Uh, I love talking to Tim. Uh, talking baseball with him is is there's no better. Uh, Buck Martinez, former manager and uh, broadcaster. Yeah, Buck Martinez, really nice to see this. He returned to the booth for the uh, Blue Jays broadcast. You know, he's a regular part of the that booth for, for many years. And, you know, his partner, Dan Shulman, uh, who folks know from ESPN, the two of them handle, you know, the, the Blue Jays broadcast. And 
Buck Martinez had to step away from announcing back in April uh, to undergo some pretty serious cancer treatment. And the good news is he's back. He's back in the booth. And, you know, there was a, a great moment at the Rogers Center in Toronto where, you know, the, the crowd was able to give an ovation and, you know, Buck was was able to, you know, wave from the booth to the crowd and all that. And, you know, great to see Buck Martinez back in the booth alongside Dan Schulman. All right. Uh, there's some baseball for you. Let's go over to soccer. Uh, a couple soccer notes, Phil. What do we got in the world of soccer broadcasting? Well, before we know it, the World Cup is going to be here. You know, the World Cup in Qatar that goes down in, in a few months this winter. So that's a that's a shift, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we approach that, how different that is compared to past World Cups in the summertime. But Fox is starting to get their announcing teams organized for that. And most recently, they named Ian Dark, who's a you know familiar voice to international soccer fans as one of their play-by-play announcers. He uh, joins John Strong, who's also um, going to be handling a lot of the the big games in the World Cup, and also Jackie Oatley, who will be a play-by-player in the World Cup for Fox as well. And, and then also in the Premier League, you know, the Premier League's getting going, and uh, that'll get started this weekend. And the new play-by-play announcer there, Peter Drury, will make his debut. So, you know, worth keeping an eye on Peter. Uh, he's got a lot of experience in this area. So, you know, I, I'd imagine it, it'll be, you know, flawless as far as, you know, that transition. But you know, a new voice if you're watching NBC's coverage of the Premier League. All right. Uh, we like to play a couple of calls. We gave you the stuff earlier from Vince Scully. We'll leave the pod with some Scully stuff as well. Uh, but you have a couple of calls, Phil, that really – I've been uh, traveling all over the world, so uh, no calls for me this week. I, I've been here, there, everywhere. It's all a couple soccer stadiums in my travels uh, in France and in Croatia and I think in Dublin I might have seen a, a stadium in, in Dublin. But uh, a couple of calls set them up here. Yeah, a couple of calls and, and, you know, speaking about, you know, world sports at the world championships, the – you know, of athletics, of track and field. There was a couple of sensational calls I felt from Lee Diffie, uh, the play-by-play announcer. We've mentioned Diffie before. You know, he does a lot of motorsports, um, in particular uh, the IndyCar side of things, the open wheel um, world of, of motorsports. And Lee Diffie is also used by NBC on their track and field coverage. And I think he uses some of those same elements as far as being a effective motorsports announcer when he's calling a race you know on the track as well here we go lee diffie here's the first it's the olympic final all over again in the women's four by 400 meter hurdles and the race for gold is in the middle of your track keep your eyes on four five and six look at sydney mclaughlin the little muhammad always gets out hard but it's sydney who is really pushing the pace on the backstretch what sydney mclaughlin has done to the backstretch should be illegal she is all by herself and less than 200 meters to go now lee remember this remember what Ado told wow. you about the world record how it just continually keeps getting broken sydney mclaughlin has left them behind Femkebol comes on the inside of Dalila Muhammad now. Please watch the clock. The world record is 51-41. Sydney McLaughlin, the 22-year-old American. There is no stopping her. 50.6. It's a world record. 
Sydney McLaughlin has just smashed her own record. Perfect call right there. I mean, not a flaw. Yeah, re- really nicely done. Sydney McLaughlin and uh, Lee Diffie bringing it home there, keeping an eye on those world record uh, times as well as uh, Sydney's able to you know, set a new world record uh, analyst in the booth. So actually a, a three-person booth there, Sonia Richards-Ross and also Otto Bolden. And, you know, they did a nice job just kind of handing it back to Diffie to take it down the home stretch. Yeah, right on top of it too. Had all the facts, had the information, knew the times, uh, really good there. That's on the women's side. This is Lee Diffie now and crew on the men's side. Sad. There's a world final on the line in the 200 meters. And Knighton is making up ground, but Noah Lyles has run another great turn. And if he has the lead, you're going to like his chances. Look at the way that Noah Lyles came into the home straight. Now Arian Knighton's trying to catch Kenny Benerick. Here comes Fonbele. It's Noah Lyles, 19.32. He ties Michael Johnson's 19.96 record. The American record is tied. We're waiting for the official time. Has Noah Lyles just equaled Michael Johnson's 1996 American record? It's the fourth. It's better. Noah Lyles has just broken the American record in the 200. Couple of record-breaking performances. Uh, Lee Diffie on both calls, the women and the men. Yeah, that second call with with Noah Lyles, it's kind of interesting how it all went down. Once again, Otto Bolden alongside Diffie, uh, Bolden, the the analyst. And the way the, the timing and scoring works with track and field, you know, you have the initial number, but sometimes it's adjusted slightly, you know, after the technology is able to look at, the, you know, basically the, the photo finish. And... Diffie calls it as as matching Michael Johnson's record initially, and then they updated the the actual statistics of the precise time, and it ended up being a record-breaking uh, race. So kind of cool to see that happen in real time, and you know, the announcers handled it well. All right. A uh, lot of stuff, uh, soccer, track and field, baseball, football. Uh, we got uh, all of that wrapped in and a couple of news and notes, including – uh, Dickie V and some more college uh, basketball. Yeah, great to see Dickie V. You know, uh, we mentioned him a, a little while back as far as, you know, the, the big documentary that came out. Well, he made a, a big public appearance at the ESPYs recently because he was the recipient of the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance. You know, kind of a, a big moment there. You know, Dickie V was so close to, to Jim Valvano and, and part of that you know, famous moment in ESPYs history uh, with with Jimmy V and J- Dickie V this time, the recipient of the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance. And, you know, it looked like he had a big smile on his face throughout that ESPYs Awards. Yeah, Dickie V for the uh, um, Jimmy V Award. Don Fisher, uh, people out in Hoosier land will know. Yeah, Don Fisher, by the way, 50th season. We've talked about this before, how these announcers hold on to these jobs, you know, for for decades. Well, Don Fisher, the 50th season as the the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, You know, he's caused the games both on the basketball and the football side of things. Over 2,000 games for the Hoosiers, uh, five NCAA Final Fours and 12 bowl games. Well, he was just named uh, the College Football Hall of Fame Chris Schenkel Award winner, which is their their highest honor in terms of a broadcasting honor. So congrats to to Don Fisher, the, the voice of the Hoosiers. 
And then finally, uh, in terms of some notes here, Roxy Bernstein, a veteran name, uh, and Jay Billis will be calling some interesting college basketball games this week. Yeah, they they're on the other side of the world. You know, they're they're in Israel with the Auburn men's basketball team. Roxy Bernstein and Jay Billis. They're part of this ten day a birthright for college basketball tour that's happening in Israel. Uh, the Auburn Tigers playing three exhibition games against you know teams from Israel and you know um, experiencing all sorts of historical sites as well on this trip to Israel. Well, part of the package was Rocky, Roxy Bernstein and Jay Billis making the trip with the team and able to, to document it uh, from a media standpoint. But then they'll be calling the games as well on the SEC network. Um, there's a couple more games. One of them already went down, but a couple more games upcoming if you want to check those out on the SEC network. Okay, we hit you with a little bit of everything here this week on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Don't uh, forget, you can rate, review, subscribe to the uh, feed the sportsmediawatch.com feed where you can get uh, podcasts on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We give you a little bit of everything. We kind of focus on the announcers. Uh, TJ and John will kind of focus in on uh, sports broadcasting ratings and news and stuff in that uh, world and field. And George Offman, uh, tell me a story I don't know, talking to some big heavy hitters. It gets just great interviews, listening to their journey through uh, how they got to where they were, uh, really good stuff there. We drop on Thursdays, and uh, we're about ready to wrap things up. Before we do wrap things up, we want to play one final clip of uh, some Vince Scully for you as we started today's podcast with that. So let's end with this. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. For every problem, life seems a faithful friend to share. For every sigh, a sweet song and an answer for each prayer. You and I have been friends for a long time, but I know in my heart that I've always needed you more than you've ever needed me. And I'll miss our time together more than I can say. But you know what? There will be a new day and eventually a new year. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, oh, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon wherever you may be. And we will wish you a very pleasant good afternoon, good morning, good night, wherever you may be. Because that's how we'll end this week's Announcer Schedules podcast. I'm Mike Gill. He's Phil DeMontmollen at Announcer Skeds on Twitter, the Sports Media Watch feed, RIP Vince Scully, Bill Russell, and hopefully you enjoyed this week's edition of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.